There are so many different areas that we are surrounded by on a regular basis. Never has it been easier in our life to have direct access to thought leadership. And as Steve was right, and I would dare say he was because he's changed my life radically so, that the secret to one's ultimate amplification and or success, no matter what that means to you, is simply nothing more than the way you think because it controls the way you behave and the outcomes that you get. Then there's now a roadmap and Mm -hmm. there's no more excuses. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview a person like an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, or just, you know, a pretty incredible human being who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Stephen Scoggins. He owns seven different businesses ranging from construction and content creation to live events and real estate. His companies currently employ 400 team members across multiple states with their consolidated revenues approaching nine figures. But if you were to meet Stephen Scoggins today, which you're about to, you might be surprised to learn that he comes from broken beginnings. He had former arrogant choices and a dramatic journey to rock bottom and back. But Scoggins owes his current success to the mistakes of his youth and is determined to share the principles that guided him to success with anyone who will listen. He is absolutely engaging and interactive. He is passionate. He's high energy. Stevens is incredible. And he's so transparent to share his three decades of setbacks, failures, breakdowns, losses, successes, comebacks. He provides step-by-step lessons that help other leaders in both business and in life go from stuck to unstoppable. I absolutely love loved this conversation with Steven. He is so funny. He's so high energy. He is just one of those people who I just felt like energized the entire time I was talking with him, but he really has such a powerful story. We got into it. We just dove really deep very quickly. You are going to absolutely love Stephen and get so much from this conversation. But before I get to my conversation with Stephen, I want to thank our partner of the show. And that is Mama Suds. Mama Suds helps label reading moms create a safe and non-toxic home for their family by creating synthetic free household cleaners. And one of those cleaners is Mama Suds fine linen soap, which is basically the best thing since pumpkin sliced bread. Say that three times fast. You can wash your high quality sheets, linens, delicates, and organic fabrics with a fine linen soap to keep them looking newer and softer longer. You just have to use three to four capfuls for high efficiency machines on a delicate cycle or four to six capfuls for a regular machines on a delicate cycle. So good, smells amazing, and you know that it's safe and clean and non-toxic. Head on over to mamasuds.com, use the coupon code MOLLY, and you'll get a 15% off discount on your order. That's mamasuds.com, use the code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Now on to my conversation with Steven Scoggins. Steven, who I have found out is basically my neighbor right over (laughs) here in the Raleigh-Durham Triangle area. Uh, Welcome to the show. Dude, I am so excited to be here, man. I've, I'm I've listened so to a lot excited. of your episodes and you're an incredible interviewer. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is this is my passion. This is what I love to do. I love to sit down and talk with people. My dad, when I was little, said that when I got older, I would either be in jail or be president. And so I guess a podcast <laughs> host is somewhere in between. Um, yeah, because so, you have to build an audience first, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I'm either going to go to jail or I'm going to be president. It's going to be fine. We don't know. Stephen, let's dive right in. I want to have you give us the Stephen 101 and tell us all about who you are, what you do, how you got to where you are today. Oh, gosh. Now, that's, now that's a hefty, hefty question. <laughs> um, no but, pressure. I'll do it, yeah, I'll do, I'll do it this way. I'm a serial entrepreneur here in the Raleigh area. Um, I started my first business when I was sleeping in a car um, about 22 years ago, and that has now branched out to seven businesses, which led me to writing books and then traveling, speaking. And now I do my own live events. Uh, here in the Raleigh area, I'm excited. October, we're bringing back Transform You Live. Got 
thought leaders coming from all over the country. So super stoked about that. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm a life change agent or what I'm trying to come up with is a life mastery artist. <laughs> I want to help people master their life. So that's, 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 that's like me in a nutshell. And that's a, that's the smallest I've ever said that in. Goodness hey, gracious. I'm, I'm legitimately impressed. Uh, and so for people that are like, wait a second, he owns like seven businesses. What kinds of businesses do you own? Because I know that that's like the number one question that people are going to ask right away. Well, yeah. And, then the, and there's a follow-up behind it. And I'll give you the follow-up just for fun. But uh, no, I everything from construction to real estate to thought leadership and now live event series. Yeah. So now the next, the second question I always get is, huh? Construction? <laughs> real estate? I don't get it. And then, and then I discovered this interesting facet a long, a long time ago, probably 10 years ago, is that while I have a construction business, it's really just masquerading because it's actually a personal development company. Mm. So I learned how to build myself. So I don't know how to use my hands, which taught me how to use my head, which later taught me how to use my heart. And then when you get to where I'm at in life, all you want to do is help people do the same thing over and over again. So that's kind of what led me down this track record. And then, you know, you got to be a good steward of what God gives you, right? So, you know, he's blessed me. And so I want to be a good steward. So I create new businesses, create new opportunities, which then allow me to expand the marketplace, which creates more talents and more talents to invest and so on and so forth. So anyway. Yeah. And what I know about you and what our listeners are about to learn is all of this stems from uh, some pretty, I'd say pretty massive life change um, (laughs) that, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, the old you, so to speak, probably wouldn't recognize the you you are today. And even maybe people who knew you in that quote unquote Mm -hmm. previous life wouldn't recognize. So take us back. Take us back. Yeah. What is it that happened that kind of led you into that path of, of now what you were? I love that that phrase of just being a good steward of what God's given you. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just it's funny how you just put an interesting spin on it about me meeting the old me or version or the new me or whatever. Um, <laughs> sorry, I got my I got my words crossed up there for a second. It's been a long day. Um, no, it's, it's funny. Um, when you said that, what the first thought that came out of my mind was the old me wouldn't have thought that the current me was even possible. Mm. Like the old me was just like, never would have saw it in a million years. I never thought that I would ever be an author. Never thought I'd be a speaker. Never thought I would own businesses, you know, have hundreds of team members across multiple. Like I never, I never thought any of that was possible. And largely because I discovered when I was growing up, um, you know, after a pretty traumatic upbringing up, up and down that I had already been preconditioned. Like I think a lot of people are, as they grow up, they, they, they begin to take ownership of the expectation or the lifestyle that surrounds them. And they begin to limit their own possibilities and their own self based on what their experience is in that moment. And, you know, for me, I did, uh, I did one of those ancestry.com things, DNA searches and the whole thing where I go way down the rabbit trail or whatever. And one of the things I discovered was, um, my ancestry, obviously on the Scoggin side, which is my dad's side, had not had a single person of influence, affluence, or of impact in over 500 years. Mm. And I remember this interesting time when I was about 13 years old. I was living in a broken down trailer park and I was staying with my dad at the time. Um, We were having a really hard time just kind of making ends meet on a consistent basis. You know, the water was getting shut off all the time. The power was getting shut off all the time. There's cockroaches running around everywhere. It was just a really hard time, but I knew that I knew that I knew that I didn't want to live that way permanently. I wasn't any, I had no idea I was going to get out of it yeah. at all. And I never, and, and I'll never forget this. I walked down to the, to the park that's in this trailer park. It's a place called Cross Creek Mobile Home Park off of Pool Road. It still exists to this day. In fact, my dad still has a trailer in there. And I go down to the park and I kneel down under the stars for the first time. And I actually uttered these words, God, please let me be the one to break the family curse. The crazy part was, is I had no idea why it was those words, nor why I knelt down. Like, like it was something that you, 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 people tell you all the time you feel led to do. This was like somebody was not only leading me, but almost like sitting with me. And you would think at 13 years old that everything becomes amazing and, you know, and, and, and life is rocking and money comes everywhere and, and relationships are awesome. And yeah, not so much. As it turns out, if you're going to become something more you're going to have to face the very thing that you already are, which is the tricky part because a lot of us don't want to look at who we are in order to become something more. And, you know, from the time my grandmother passed away at nine years old and, and learning to cook and clean and try to take care of her, my little brother, till my mom almost uh, taking her life to my father, then later, um, obviously struggling with alcohol all over the place. You know, I didn't have a saving grace. My, you know, it wasn't like my family wasn't, wasn't trying really hard because they were. They were working as hard and trying as hard as they possibly could 
based on their current level of understanding. And I've since discovered that your, your understanding is directly connected to your level of expectation, right? So when you look at things as a whole, you know, I get up at 13 years old, I'm going after it. By the time I was 17, I was forced to drop out of high school to help my dad pay the bills, get a family car and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you think that you, you think, okay, all right, fine, I'll just go to work and I can, I can work at Golden Corral and Waste Industries and all these different companies along the way. And, you know, I'd worked off and on in the construction industry from the time I was 11 all the way up till uh, the time I was in my young teens or old, older teens. And along the way, I met this guy. His name was Steve Myrick. Myrick Holmes, his family still owns land and all kinds of stuff even today. And for some reason, he took a liking to me. I was on my dad's framing crew at the time growing up, like 11, 12, 13, pretty much. If I wasn't at school, I was working, basically, is yeah. what it boiled down to. Yeah. And he pulled me down off this uh, framing crew one time, put me in his Jeep Grand Cherokee, and he said, I got a question for you. And I'm like, dude, you ask me whatever you want. I'm enjoying the AC because it's hot outside, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, he said, um, Stephen, what's the difference between a rich man and a poor man? Mm. You know, and I didn't pause like I just did there. Instead, I just did a, I was like, well, duh, of course, it's money. You have money. My dad doesn't have money. You have, like, money. He's like, absolutely not. It's the way they think. And if you're going to be a person of affluence and impact and influence, then you have to understand that there's a specific way to get there. Yes. And yeah. I have this, um, this term I've been using on stage recently that's kind of resonating in my soul, which is principles govern promises, right? We all want this life of freedom. We all want this life of affluence. We all want this life of purpose and meaning and significance and authenticity but yet many of us aren't actually doing the right things at the right time to make those things a reality. Yeah. And the next question he asked me really stabbed me in the heart. He said, Stephen, do you want to learn to think like me or do you want to continue thinking like your father? Mm. Now, here's what I didn't know at the time. I didn't know that my father had the same opportunity I had with him. Like he tried to mentor him. In fact, he was very much a father figure. And, you know, again, I wish I could tell you that that one encounter started off my, my, my change, right? But it didn't. Instead, what it did was it opened the door for him to give me my first business, buy me everything that I needed to start the business. I'm, you know, 19 years old or whatever. I, I think I'm hot stuff because within a year's time frame, I'm making more money than I ever thought I would make at 19 years old. And what happens when you've never been trained to handle money, when you've never been trained to carry a mantle, when you've never been trained to actually see the character? I blew every single penny of it. I betrayed my, even my younger brother. I just did stupid with zeros. And then because of my pride and my arrogance and my foolishness, um, God sent a brown-haired, brown-eyed girl to humble me <laughs> and proceeded to uh, get involved in a very, very damaging, toxic relationship, largely because I was searching for my identity and all that kind of stuff that I didn't know I was doing, and ultimately left me eight, almost $70,000, $80,000 in debt, and uh, within a few short months after that, left me essentially homeless. And I stayed that way for a good little bit and then tried to go through this scenario uh, thinking that the military would help me out. And then, you know, so I trained for another six months, got the best physical shape I've ever been in in my entire life, only to get to MEPS and tell me I wasn't going anywhere, that I had scoliosis in, the, in my neck and that they thought it was going to cause me problems and that my GED wasn't good enough to qualify for the, the ASVAB score as it stands. And I'm sorry, but when you're on the street and when you're trying to figure out what's going on and you kind of see your only way out is to have for consistent food and shelter and pay as the military and they take the rug out from under you, this will mean something to you just because we are neighbors. Howdy, neighbor. Yeah. Howdy. That's right. The bridge at 440 in Capitol Boulevard. Yeah. I found myself overlooking that bridge, um, kicked off my shoes. Um, I was battling the, this, these voices of failure and all kinds of stuff. Really, you know, like in the cartoon days, they have this thing where you like, oh, you know, like yeah. the little devil. Little, little yeah. angel and the little devil. Yeah. yeah. Th but the crazy part is that's exactly what I felt like I was experiencing. You know, the, the voice on my left, if you will, was talking about how I was always going to be a failure, how Scoggins don't get ahead, they get by, which is something my father used to say, how um, I was always going to be broke, broken, trapped in a trailer park, all kinds of stuff, and just, and why I should just give up. Meanwhile, this little whisper, if you will, on the right-hand shoulder is uh, basically saying, no, that's not true. Mm. That's not true. And I pulled out a broken Nokia 5160 phone um, with a cracked screen that my grandmother got me as a prepaid deal. So when I got to boot camp, I was going to get that and uh, essentially started calling people to tell them goodbye. And the first phone call, no answer. Second phone call, the old modern day answering machine picked up. Third phone call, no answer. And pretty much every time I'd make a, a new phone call, the little voice on my left would get louder. See, I told you so. I told you so. 
kind of scenario, ultimately leading to um, kind of get ready to essentially take my life. And that's when I heard this little whisper, if you will, say, have you thought about Susan? Now, Susan was a high school girlfriend's mother that literally um, clothed me and fed me during my um, probably my sophomore and into my junior year because we couldn't. Right. Mm-hmm. I have stitches in my hand that you can see. Right. Because we're doing this on Zoom a little bit, at least some of this and uh, that she paid for. And her nickname was Mama Wama because her her daughter would take so long to kind of get ready. Um, so one <laughs> afternoon she referred to me, she said, Steven, you're so sweet as sugar. I'm going to call you sugar wooga. I said, well, that's fine. You're now Mama Wama. <laughs> I know you grew up in the South. I can just that's tell. That's right. That's not yes, something ma'am. Yankees do. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny uh, when, when that, that little nudge came in, I, I did. I picked up the phone and she answered the phone. And old cigarette raspy voice, Stephen, where are you? And, you know, it's, it's funny with a, with, when you actually have someone that is a mother role model that is nurturing and empowering and encouraging. Yeah. And she had been trying to pour into me all she could, right? Mm-hmm. It takes a lot to break out of this poverty slash lack mindset. Yo, big time. Big which, time. Yeah, I mean, which is one of the reasons why that's what I've committed to do now in my life is, is to go out and set as many people free as possible. You know, she basically, she knew in an instant I was in trouble. Like I barely had to say a single word. She went through this process where she was like, tell me where you're at. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm just want to tell you, I love you. You're not fine. Right. She would scream at me. I'm coming to get you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And what the, what the crazy part was is the world didn't know. I didn't even know it. There was only two people on the planet that I would have kept my word to Steve Myrick and Susan Batson, because I had betrayed Steve Myrick, you know, basically a year earlier, I was trying to keep my distance because of game, uh, guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because after going back and forth for what, I don't know if it was 10 minutes or 10 hours, like it it just was a blur. She said, promise me you'll call me tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Promise me. Promise me. I said, and she uh, used an explicit, explicit word, blankety blank, promise me now, like screaming at me. And I, you know, I I reluctantly agreed. And it's crazy because after that, um, she says, now, now you need to repeat after me. I'm like, repeat after you. Now, what was going like? I just agreed to like come, like, I just agreed. No, no, you repeat after me. This too shall pass and what comes next will be greater. Hmm. And I'd always, I'd heard that this too shall pass thing before. Right. But there was some kind of undertone in the way she said it, almost like she knew something I didn't know. And, you know, I uttered, I kind of whispered it back and she goes, say it like you mean it. Like, 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 just like I'd been at boot camp. Like it was like crazy. It was like loud and and she had me screaming at the top of my lungs on that bridge, this too shall pass and what comes next to be greater. And what was really interesting was my father comes back in and basically picks me up. I found a payphone somewhere and he came back and picked me up several, late, uh, several hours later. I went and crashed on his couch for a little while. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but I, I surrendered my life to Christ by a litter box, um, which, is, uh, which is a very interesting story. As but, one does. Yeah, right. You, As, know. you know, just, you know. You got to face your junk and, you know, yeah. and luckily I didn't, I didn't have to finish cleaning it, which is good. But what I guess what, what, what's important is after that is I found myself back on my dad's framing crew. Steve Meyer could give me a second chance. He'd give my dad the nod. I would see him coming around the street where I used to get excited and not hop in his little Jeep Grand Cherokee and, you know, enjoy the AC or the heat, depending on the season, um, was filled with actually fear and regret, right? I didn't, I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't like, he would really roll around and I would go hide behind the house. Yeah. I was fresh out of kind of like recovering my brain, my mind, my spirit. I'd already had a divine encounter that I couldn't explain. Even today, it's hard to articulate into words. I had surrendered myself to Christ at that, by that time. And between that and the words, this who shall pass and what comes next will be greater. Inevitably, what happened was, is I was sent next door to make a repair for the house that the guys who replaced me were working on. Hmm. And as they were working on it and replace it and like working, doing their thing, they were bad mouthing Steve. And as they were bad mouthing Steve, I was getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And t- they were talking about how they weren't going to be there Monday and how Steve owed them money, all of which was completely not true. And I just found myself enraged, like in a, in a healthy way. Right. Like I wasn't like cursing and throwing stuff. And the reality was, is, you know, I, I, I left there, walked across, walked back to the house. As I was walking back to the house, um, Steve pulls back up and my dad's trying to get the paychecks for the Fridays and all this kind of stuff. And I walk up, knock on the window. He rolls down the window. He goes, how's your head now, boy? I said, well, it's, it's getting better. Well, what can I do you for? I said, well, you know, this, these guys, da, 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 they're not planning on coming back, da, 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 all that kind of stuff. And Lo and behold, we had a conversation. He gives me a second chance. I didn't deserve to finish a house, provided the guys don't show up Monday by 9 a.m. 
And long story short is we built the tools and equipment I needed out of the trash piles. We were ready Monday morning. The guys didn't show. And that was the first day of my first business was started, which is called Custom Home Exteriors here in Raleigh, Hmm. which that's the one that became uh, fairly successful. We do about 3,000 homes a year, plus our multifamily division, all this kind of stuff. Um, and But that was the fertile ground of this too shall pass and what comes next will be greater. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the quick story, even though it took me a couple of minutes to even explain the quick version. Oh, yeah, that's so good. And there's something uh, that you know, within your story and, and from even a little bit of what you shared at the beginning uh, that I think is so powerful and I think something that really anybody can connect with and relate to, and that's this power of a mentor, um, a mm-hmm. power of somebody in your life, whether it's mama wama or, uh, <laughs> you know, or some, somebody in your life who is speaking truth in love, speaking wisdom, um, leading, guiding, challenging. Uh, mm-hmm. You really had that. And, um, and I see how you're doing that now. Talk a little bit about that. And I know that this is actually one of the things that you kind of speak to is that there's four really, there's kind of four distinct types of mentors. Um, Kind of walk us through that. And then also after that, kind of explain how that is something that Again, it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you're in a professional, you know, work environment, um, whether you're just involved at, in your church or your community. Like, I really believe and I think it, it really speaks to just, the, you know, that story with Mama Wama. Like, it doesn't matter where you've been placed. Like, there is somebody in your life that you can mentor and speak, um, you know, really influence positively. So talk us through that. Yeah, I mean, so it's funny when as you begin to develop more and more, and your audience is going to resonate with this too. There, I'm sure that they're sought out from time to time, based on specific pieces of key information that they have insight on. Right. And as I began to travel and speak and 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 stuff, I began to get one of the number one questions I got was, "Could you? Can you mentor me?" Mm-hmm. And as much as you want to say yes to every single person, you're not able to say yes to every single person. Um, due to time, distance, um, resource, like there's a lot of different factors. And then there'd be a follow-up question, which is, well, if you won't mentor me, because now obviously I wouldn't necessarily say no, I would, I would point them towards, you know, like YouTube and some stuff we have. So I have some free training on, but one of the things that would come up was, okay, well, I don't have a mentor. Like I can't tell you how many people have told me they don't have a mentor. I 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 don't have a mentor. And I'm thinking to myself, guys, this is 2021. Like mentorship is all around you, mm-hmm. all around you. And I was talking to this young man, ironically, he was the, uh, the, what do you call it? Not the cashier, but the person that checks you in at the gym, the, the guy, you know, that takes you yeah, like the, the, the front desk, the front desk guy, right? The, the front desk dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, he, and he's, and he was a good dude, good heart, like had great aspirations, really young. He grew up in a little bit of an environment like I did. Cause I didn't have some conversations with him. So I, you know, anytime I see someone who's, where I was, I can't help but want to help. Right. Yeah. And um, he kind of asked me that those same kind of couple of questions. And when it came down to it, he was like, well, you know, I live in this area of Raleigh, which is not known for being, well, let's call it the nicest area of Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And no matter what town you live in across the United States or even across the globe, there are towns and stuff that are close by that, you know, they say probably shouldn't tread, right. They're, they're environments like I grew up in where it's just, in, in one part toxic, one part poverty, and no part opportunity, right? Yeah. And I was trying to explain to him, and, and then, and then I, so we grabbed a piece of paper, and I just jotted down something. I was like, dude, you don't understand. There's mentorship all around you. Like, he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, who do you aspire to be? Who do you want to be? I mean, give me, give me three names. And he rattled off a couple, three names, and he goes, well, I want to be like him. Okay, what do you appreciate about so-and-so? What do you appreciate about so-and-so? Why? I respect this. Okay, now let's ask you this. Is, are, they, are, they, is, are they a person of character? Well, this guy's got what I want, but he gets in trouble a lot. All right, well, scratch him off the list. All right, well, this guy over here, he, he, he has a good time, and, and he's got the right character. Okay, we'll keep him on the list. I said, now, under, the, under that line, I want you to write the word aspirational. He's like, okay, wh- Why? I said, because that's an aspirational mentor. That is someone you aspire to be, which means you can model their behavior, Mm -hmm. right? And we started walking through each one of these slowly. So the first one was the aspirational mentor. The second one was a peer-to-peer mentor, which he was more scared of. 
All right, a peer-to-peer mentor is the person you can play ping pong with, but if the person you're playing ping pong with has always played bad ping pong, you probably should try to find somebody that's playing better ping pong. Right. Right. In this in the simplicitous form, right? Simplest form. And so we began to talk. I said, well, let me ask you this. How many people come into this gym every day? Oh, a bunch. Like, lots of people. Well, how many of them do you have friendships like you do with me? A bunch. Well, how many of them are successful in whatever given genre they're doing? Maybe they got great marriages or great finance or well, you know, probably a bunch. But I said, well, what are, the, what are three of them's names? Oh, there's Ira and there's Janet and run it all three other names. I said, that's your peer to peer. You can ping pong with them as they're coming in and out of gyms. Yeah. Right. You don't necessarily have to have them in your home, sitting across the table, having a cup of coffee. If you do, great. But these are people who are where you want to be, who kind of double as an aspirational mentor that you actually have access to. And because you have access to, you can ask them questions. And because you know a little bit more about fitness than they know about fitness, maybe you can give them fitness advice if they give you financial advice. So there's your peer-to-peer. And you can just see his, his eyes were just lighting up, right? He's like, what? Like he just found the Holy Grail. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. I said, well, the next, one, the next one's just as important, okay? It's called a historical mentor. Now, that came from a good friend of mine uh, named Doug Stewart. Um, actually, in our area, he, he's also a neighbor. And he referred to the historical mentor as anything that you can find in history, someone you admire. So you kind of merge the aspirational mentor with someone that you admire that actually has a book or resource, right? Dead or alive, it doesn't matter. They left wisdom behind on any given subject matter. I want to find more about my identity. There's books on it. I want to find out more about my faith. There's a great book on that one. <laughs> yeah. I want to find out more about financial peace. All right, well, Dave Ramsey wrote one, yeah. right? There's all these different books and resources that allow you to gain insight and wisdom and knowledge from people who have already been where you are trying to go. And in many cases, have, be, have, le- have started from the same starting point yeah. that you're starting from. And you could just see him. He was just getting more and more encouraged and all this kind of stuff. He goes, okay, well, what's the final one? What's, what's the fourth one? I said, the fourth one's actually really, really easy, especially in today's time. It's called the digital mentor. Well, uh, okay, well, what's that? I said, can you pull a video up on your phone? Yeah. Do you watch YouTube? Yeah. Well, do you listen to amazing podcasts like this one? Yeah. All right. There's your digital mentor. Yeah. There, there are so many different areas that we are surrounded by on a regular basis. Never has it been easier in our life to have direct access to thought leadership. And if Steve was right, and I would dare say he was because he's changed my life radically so, that the secret to one's ultimate amplification and or success, no matter what that means to you, is simply nothing more than the way you think because it controls the way you behave and the outcomes that you get, then there's now a roadmap and there's no more excuses. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. You know, I speaking to that, uh, that third point about the historical mentor, that reminds me of a conversation I had with uh, a guy I had on the show last year, Daniel Grothy. If you don't know him, look him up. Fantastic guy. Just I love that dude. Like he's one of those people I interviewed him for the show. And like, I consider him a friend now. Um, But he's a pastor at New Life Church out in Colorado and wrote mm-hmm. a book called Chasing Wisdom. And it was really a chronicalization. Is that the, is that a word? I don't know. Um, I was an, I was an English major. <laughs> we can ma- create words. This is your show. We're you just making it up. I don't know. I was an English major in it's college. Like it's fine. Have it your way. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, chronicalization of his time um, where he basically had this 10 year menteeship with Eugene Peterson, like the mm-hmm. Eugene P- Peterson who translated the message version of the Bible. And one of the things that Eugene said to him was read the dead guys. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, and dead women uh, read stuff written by just incredible men and women of God, men and women thought leaders who have since mm-hmm. passed on because their legacies are often left through their writing and how that can be something, you know, and even after Eugene passed away in 2018, um, that is something that Daniel has said, like, that's something that Eugene really left with him, even though they had this 10 year uh, friendship um, and, and Eugene really mentored him. You know, beyond that, Eugene's influence in reading the dead guys, reading the dead people uh, has <laughs> yeah. has lasted. And I think that that's that's one that I think we forget because we do talk about 
I think the access to really, you know, high quality digital content and uh, that I love that peer to peer relationship and uh, the aspirational mentor. But sometimes I think that historical one gets left yeah. behind because we're like, oh, well, that guy's dead. Like, he can't help me when it's like, no, no, no. Like, uh, this person wrote 40 books on this topic or whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, that's so powerful. You know, and and how you have taken that and like just in your conversation with this guy at the gym and how you're imparting that wisdom on him and how you even stated at the beginning how through running businesses like a construction business, which is a construction business, but air quotes, like really, there's a whole lot deeper thing going on here, how vital that is in creating a culture of uh, leadership and a culture of mentorship and a culture of uh, in creating that environment that encourages people to grow and not get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Can I share two, like two quick things please, with you real fast. Please. All right. So, so here's where I discovered some of this. Um, I was doing a research for a keynote that I was going to be doing um, down in Florida and it was going to be called the three laws of legacy. Um, Cause there's a lot of folks, especially when they get my age and you know, they're like, okay, well, what, what is my, what is my impact? Right. What am I leaving behind? And one of the things I discovered really quickly was the, the, they, there's a lot of talk about the top 1%, right? Yeah. Whether they're believers or not believers. And this, for this example, it's not as important. Um, but they said the top 1% on average have eight to 12 mastery level now ways of doing things. So thoughts, strategies, principles, practicality, eight to 12 mastery level. They said that only 26% of them actually give it to someone else. Mm. So think about that. They're taking the best of themselves, unfortunately, to the grave with them, thinking that whatever wealth that they've amassed is somehow going to do all the good for them. And when I look back at Susan, my AKA Mama Wama, when I look back at Steve Myrick, when I look back at Frank Wiesner, when I look back at Mark Bernhardt, when I look back at all these different people that poured into me up until this point, I discovered a long time ago that while everyone's searching for purpose, the number one purpose in life is to serve the person you used to be. Yep. Right. Which necessitates the fact that you have to become more than the person you are now, which means you have to be constantly reaching out for mentorship, historical, otherwise, right? Constantly reaching out and constantly reaching back to someone who is, you know, because, you know, one of these things that people don't understand in getting unstuck getting rid of the feeling of being overwhelmed, getting rid of the anxiety. And, and dare I say, in our American culture, what they refer to as depression nowadays, sad. Like yeah. the number one thing that it takes to get out of that is to understand that you actually have access to everything you need to get out of that, right? Uh, you may have faith like I do. I know we, we share the same faith in the same God and the same Jesus, which is amazing. Um, but even if you're, you're not there yet, right? And you still have access to these mentorship roles, these different, these different pieces, the average American currently spends 3.5 to 4.5 hours a day, a day on doing nothing but media consumption. If you are going to spend that much time on a day in and day out basis, and I, yes, I mean, when you pull out your phone, you're scrolling Instagram, you're scrolling Facebook, I'm, saying don't, don't, I'm not saying don't DM me, don't say hi. I'm just saying, like, if you're spending that much time of your day, what if you took two hours of that? And poured that into learning more about the area that you need the most help in. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. When you when you understand, and it doesn't matter. Look, I've 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 had I've had the pleasure and honor of working with um, entertainers and and C-suite professionals of Fortune Five, like and it, people within my business, right, and everything in between. They all share that one thing in common. They are all distracted. The more distracted you are, the more diluted your successes will be. So if you want to build a large framework and a foundation that you can stand on and maybe own multiple businesses or maybe uh, become an author of multiple books or have an amazing podcast like this that touches people all across the nation, then all you've got to do is lay the groundwork for it. Yep. Right? Yeah. I just thought those, those two statistics would, would be hopefully inspiring to the audience because it, it really delivers the point. What do you already know? And then what kind of insight can you offer to someone else to make sure that you are leaving a lasting legacy? More importantly, what do you need to know to level up your current level of struggle? You know, I think one of the things that I connected so much uh, to in your story is 
I mean, there's quite a few pieces that I go, oh, man, that's like basically my story. Oh, yeah. yeah, Yep. 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 Did the same thing. Squandered away a bunch of money and ended up tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Yep. Check. Woo. Um, (laughs) But your uh, part of your story right now um, really speaks to. So my kind of life verse, obviously, this is not my verse because it's in the in the Bible, but it's the the verse that when I got saved to now has guided everything um, mm-hmm. that I do. And that's first Peter four ten, which is each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as yep. faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And I literally that is my barometer for mm-hmm. every single thing that I do. And the thing that I try to drive home when I'm talking to anybody and, and, and is honestly the heartbeat of this podcast, even though my listeners know like this, is I don't categorize this as a Christian podcast, even though I am unashamedly, you know, uh, a, a believer. And, and this is something I talk about all the time, even though I have people of all faith backgrounds yeah. um, on this show. But the heartbeat of this podcast is I really believe that each one of us, you, me, the the person listening, uh, we have received a gift, and that gift is a manifestation of God's grace. Like God, I really believe that, and it is our job to use that gift to serve others, to be mm-hmm. a faithful steward of that grace that we've been given, and that when we are not using those gifts, when we are not using those experiences or those manifestations of God's grace to serve others, we're being selfish. Yeah. We're being selfish. And a friend of mine, uh, really, who's kind of one of those peer to peer mentors. Um, she's just somebody who, uh, she's one of, one of my best friends, but she's somebody that, um, is a few steps ahead of me and in a few things. And just every, she's one of those people, like I aspire to be in that, like every time we hang out and when I leave, like, I feel like I just, I feel energized and like recharged and closer to the Lord. Like she's just one of those people. I want to be that for others. Um, but she's a light socket. Yes, yes, yes. But one of the things that she, uh, kind of spoken to me that I think, uh, is so relevant to what you were saying and, and just in general is, um, you know, one of the things that I, I admittedly have struggled with in the last few years is this balance of like, self-promotion and like, Mm -hmm. am I being prideful if I like, you know, say that I'm good at something or like, you know what I mean? Or like, it's a thing. And I realize that men don't struggle with this, like hardly ever. Like this is mostly a thing that women really struggle with. Um, Not that saying that men don't, but I would say it's more often than not something that women struggle with. And she said, you're being selfish by not sharing the gifts that God has given you with Mm -hmm. the world. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And this just speaks so much to what you were saying, whereas like, if you're part of the top 1%, if we're top part of the top 1%, or even part of the top 10%, and we are hoarding our resources, Mm -hmm. and that's not just money. Yeah, but our our wisdom resources and our experiential resources and all those things, if we're hoarding those things, and we're not passing them on, we're not sharing them with the world, we're being selfish. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this particular evangelist. His name is Sean Bowles. He's out in LA. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he was doing a conference that I, I attended. And one of the, he said something interesting. He, re- he referred to a, a national statistic. I got that word out first time without something. <laughs> you did right. it. You did it, Stephen. So, so proud of me. Yay. <laughs> um, but he, he, he threw it out there. And it said, you know, the, the whole world is always, is always asking God to solve major problems, you know, hunger, trafficking. Uh, I forgot the technical term for it, but not having clothes, like not having employment, all this, all these different types of things. And there was a study done that he referenced. And one of the things that came out of the study was that there's enough wealth and knowledge and resource, enough knowledge and resource to actually solve the very problems we're begging God to solve on a regular basis, Yep, which blew my mind. Mm-hmm. It also challenged my heart because I was like, okay, Am I doing enough? Meaning, am I not that? Am I doing so much that I'm I'm so drained that I can't be of any good use? But am I am I even bringing that to top of mind, or am I more focused on, you know, getting a vacation home or doing something? You know, there's an element of of providing for your own security and things of that nature and putting that into place. But the question is, is what lives are you impacting along the way? And the reason that it stuck with me was because I had this this essence of immaturity versus maturity. And I think we all actually struggle with pride and ego and arrogance. Um, I know I have. Yeah. I know when I went from not having anything to all of a sudden have a lot of something, 
I thought I was the bomb and the the bomb diggity and whatever. <laughs> and and God said, uh, not so much. Homie. Not so fast. Yeah, not so fast. It doesn't work like that. My focus is on me, not on you. Sorry, yeah. buddy. Come on. You know, and the more what I've discovered is if you're concerned about whether or not you're walking the ego trail, meaning you're maybe you're getting on your Instagram story or your video or whatever, and you're if you feel like you're acting, then there's a good chance you're you're looking for the admiration. If you are being the authentic version of yourself and genuinely trying to connect with the audience that you're best suited to serve, then I think you're fine. I think it comes down to your approach. And I think the approach changes over time. I think we all start out, we, we all go through um, whatever level of struggle that teaches us whatever level of lesson. Um, we learn to either uh, lean, on, lean on God or lean on ourselves for a while, and then we mature through that process. And then it comes down to, hey, look, at here, here's the stuff I can share. Here's the stuff I can teach. And then you start getting the admiration, but then you say, oh, that feels so good. Oh, man, that feels so good. Tell me that again. Tell me I'm awesome. Please tell me I'm awesome. Oh, that feels so good. And then we forget that when we're doing that, we are actually stepping in front of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's taken some time even now to understand that God deserves all glory. Amen. It's not because he is not. If it were not for him, I would not be here, which means there would be no business success There'd be no books and videos and whatever. And I have to remind myself in that one of the things that I do specifically, and this is, I'm weird, right? I love God, so I'm weird, right? So I have, <laughs> I have this weird way is when I go on stage, I'm always wearing white tennis shoes. Now, people who haven't seen me on stage yet wouldn't even know what I'm talking about, but people, when they go to look me up and see me wearing white tennis shoes, like he is wearing white tennis shoes. I do that intentionally. And it's to remind me that I'm always walking on holy ground. Mm. That stage, that area is one that most people are scared of. And two, it's one that most people can impact the most life for or against. If I go out there and I share all my wounds and my hurts without my redemption behind it, then I'm not giving hope. I'm giving hopelessness. If I go out there and I share all the knowledge and wisdom, but not the source of the knowledge and wisdom, then I'm not bringing glory. Now, in my environment, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I, I serve a, a multitude audience of, of people that believe and don't believe. And, and as a result, I, I tailor my messages to make sure that they can be resonated and felt with. And I think at the end of the day, if you can come up with a, a tool like that for yourself that reminds you of who's really in control, who's really in charge, who you're really serving, then ultimately you'll have a better chance of kind of massaging your words a little bit. And, it, and, it, and it's so subtle. Gosh, is it subtle. So subtle. It is so subtle to be have a prideful heart versus not. But also give yourself some grace. If you do something prideful and you recognize it, or people are coming to you, hey, look, man, you're, you're really crossing the line. Receive it, repent for it, and do better next time. Yeah. So, mm. sorry, I didn't mean to go on a rant. I couldn't help myself. No, that's good. That is, go- that is gold right there. And something that I think is so important for everybody to hear, no matter, again, no matter what place that they've been put in. You said something earlier uh, that, uh, again, I think is so relevant and top of mind right now is this idea of, and you kind of, I think you use the word stuck, but just, it, it reminded me of just kind of this idea of our mindset and how our, Mm -hmm. our mindset really does affect where we go, where we're headed, um, our discipline, um, whether or not we allow ourselves to get distracted That is so hard for people right now. And I think especially coming out of being in the middle of this, you know, pandemic thing, and you had all these people who either lost their jobs, uh, were, you know, laid off or uh, had to downsize or their revenues got cut or whatever it was. And they found themselves at home and suddenly they're just watching Netflix and they've gotten this rut and they, you know, they gained weight or whatever it was like whatever the thing is. And they felt like they have gotten into this place of I'm not going to get out of it. I'm 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 stuck. And they've they've dug themselves into this just negative mindset. What have been uh, or what has been your experience in kind of speaking to that in people to get unstuck, um, to create better p- habits of self-discipline? And um, I love so much of what you were saying of just like, if you're distracted, 
Like you're not mm-hmm. going to be as successful as you can yeah. be. But that's so hard for people. I know that. I mean, that's something I've struggled with. We all struggle with it yeah. because there are so many things clamoring for our attention. So what are your tips for getting unstuck, for getting out of that mindset of I'm, I'm just distracted and I'm just, I'm just not going to be successful and I'm just stuck? Yeah, no, it's easy. It's, it starts small, win big. Hmm. Right. And here's what I mean by that. Um, in, in the example you just mentioned, you got the, the distractions, right? When you look at a distraction, a distraction is nothing more than taking you off your priorities. That's it. That's all a distraction is. Yep. Sit down one afternoon and write down the things that you know are distracting you. And I, I, you already know what they are. Yeah, you do. You don't you even already need to know write you're them down. You're taking around too much with YouTube or Facebook or any of those other platforms or you're watching too much of the news and all this kind of stuff. List the stuff out. Give yourself a time slot to have some entertainment. But for the most part, focus on the area that you need the most help in. Learn as much as you possibly can about that. Create some action plans around it and put and implement it. And one of the reasons I say that is because at the end of the day, stuck is nothing more than not making progress. Becoming unstoppable is nothing more than making consistent progress. And what most people don't understand is if they focus too much on what they don't have, then they're not going to be able to put the energy behind the value that they could create. So the number one question I got during COVID um, through the podcast, radio show, all that kind of stuff was, what do I do? I lost my job. I'm at home. So what have you been doing? And they'd said basically what you said. I've been watching a lot of Netflix. Yep. I've been hanging out with my kids. I've been getting some home improvements done. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I'm like, okay, so how are you increasing your value while you're sitting at home? Because when things open up and, and look, for the longest time, I made my life decisions based on the season that I was in, not realizing that everything comes in seasons. Yep. No one suffers forever unless they choose to. No one has successes forever unless they choose to. It's all about seasons. You know, you got, you got summer, you got fall, you got winter, you got spring, and they happen like clockwork, except yep. for here in North Carolina, you have to get them all the same week, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Actually, we have like 13 seasons. Exactly. But, yeah, but, but what I'm saying is, is if you isolate yourself in what you're experiencing now, you are not going to have enough, ex- enough perspective to experience what you want. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, during COVID, for example, okay, we went, I was, you know, we had a live event, the whole thing, we had to shut it down the f- first year because of COVID, had to reschedule the whole thing. And I said, you know what, let's use this as a blessing. How can we make this, this particular event 10 times better than it was before? And that was the only question. And then my graphic artist said, well, we can do this with the images. We can do this with this. My video guy, well, we can, we can have these, this, this type of motion graphic, this type of thing. My, uh, my, my, my receiving team said, well, you know, it'd be really nice when people first walked in, if we could do this one thing and this one thing, to let them know they really matter. And we really care because so many of these conferences that people go to, they're just, you know, they pay a ticket and then they show up and then they leave. Like how, you know, I said, well, perfect. Let's write it all down. Yeah. All right. So you came up with this idea. How do we do it? I don't know. Okay. Go find out come back. Okay. Go find out. Come back. Go find out. Come, like we, you're losing the opportunity of the God-given brain that you have in your head to cr- be creative about problem solving. In my, all of my years of business, 20 plus years now of, of running businesses, leading teams, trying to do a great job for the community. In all of my years, almost every single problem that has been, had to been, had to been solved was not done so in a linear format. Every last one of them required creativity and leveling up. Every last one of them. And when you understand that, now you can say, okay, what am I doing right now that's holding me back? What am I doing right now that I could open up? What, what value could I add? If I'm in the financial profession, for example, right? And let's say I've been an accounting clerk for all this time. You know how many books there are on how to become a controller and a CFO? How many YouTube courses there are? Like you could straight up come out of COVID as an accounting clerk and walk in like, look, I'm willing to start at a level one controller position for a little less pay than you would normally have to pay a controller to show you that I know what I got. I, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it's, it's this, this perspective of leveling yourself up and creating your value. So if you're sitting at home right now, or maybe the world is still not opened up for you, or you're looking for a new way out, the number one question you should be asking yourself right now is how can I increase my value to the marketplace? And if you can do that, you will begin to get the question, the answers to the questions. In fact, the way your brain is wired, 
every time you ask a question, your brain has to answer it. Yeah. So if you say, why me? It's going to give you 10 reasons why I'm you. You say, how come this always happens to my, my aunt and me and my mom? Like, it's going to give you all the reasons. So why don't you just say, hey, brain, why don't we like work together instead of like work apart here? Like, yeah. why don't we help each other? Right. Hey, brain, how can I increase my value? What's my blind spot? What information do I need to, to fix that blind spot? And that's at the end of the day. That's the essence of principles govern promises. Principles make decisions before you have to make a decision. So anyway, I would know. I can't help myself. I keep going to rants. No, it's so good. I, <laughs> no, it's so good because I, I really think that that is something that speaks to a major pain point of people right now. And I love that you just gave that that quick exercise. And I challenge the listeners to to do this today. Uh, pause this podcast and and do this exercise. Is to sit down and write what is distracting you. And yeah. again, you know, you know exactly what's distracting you. But I think writing it down is, is a level of personal accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finding, you know, I've, I've kind of found in my own life is finding a couple people who will hold you accountable outside of yourself. Because if yeah. you're accountable only to yourself, you will rationalize and like talk <laughs> your way out of things so quickly. Um, you know, I'm actually working on writing my first book. And my the book proposal process has been one of the most like stressful uh just because i overanalyze and i stress myself out and then i get distracted and so mm-hmm. at the beginning of the summer i went to three people that i can trust and i just said i need you to hold me accountable and i need you to check in on yep. me and ask me how i'm doing and that's been a huge help to me along the way um and then i think too is like finding okay so th- like once you sort of identify okay here are the, you know, four or five, 17 things that are distracting me or whatever it is, especially like I'm a mom of young kids. So I like, I have all of the distractions. I also have like 58 birds somewhere uh, roaming my property right now between turkeys and ducks and guineas and chickens. So like I have all I have many things that can take my attention is identifying within yourself. Okay, well, if I know that I get distracted, well, maybe like, when am I getting distracted? Mm-hmm. Is it later in the day? Is it earlier in the day? Like, what is it? And finding those times where, okay, well, maybe I don't get as distracted early on in the day. So taking that time to then say like, all right, well, maybe th- I need to be just starting work earlier in the day Yeah, and yeah. knocking those things out on my to-do list earlier in the day when you're not as distracted. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, one of the things that I think everybody has to do is they have to understand what their sweet spot is. Yeah. Some people are more awake. They're biological. They're more awake at night. Some people are more awake than the day. I'm an early start kind of guy. I'm, I'm up at 5 a.m., all that good stuff and um, prayer and meditation. i tell you the one thing that um, I wouldn't have thought would be a big tactical um, way to, to try to fix the distraction problem, but it's worked really well, is a change of environment. Yeah. A change of environment. So what I mean by that is if my normal day consists of getting up, doing my prayer, going to the gym, going, working throughout the course of the day, and then, you know, I want to have a little break time of the day to have maybe have some creative time or something like that. Um, or even at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If I will actually move myself out of the environment in which I would normally be prone to pick up my phone, play with the text message, pick up my computer, watch some YouTube clips or watch Netflix or whatever, rather than going to the place where you would normally sit down and do that thing, get your Heineken up, your honey, walk yourself into a different room, go into a closet and sit there with a notepad and a pen. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but I think that's one of the reasons that, that the Bible talks about going to your prayer closet is because that solitude eliminates the distractions of the chickens and the guineas and all the other stuff, right? I know you can't probably run away from the kids because, you know, kids get into trouble. Like I've, <laughs> I've got adult versions now, but it's still the same thing. Where can you go? What, how can you ch- like uproot part of your day now for nothing else than shock and awe value? Right. Like you're shocking your system. I want to go watch TV. Well, turn your butt back around, go to the back bedroom and grab a book. Yep. But it's going to be so uncomfortable for a while. The best thing in life are often at the end of uncomfortability. Yep. And every time. So get your butt up, go read 10 pages. You read 10 pages, you've done a great job. A month from now, three months from now, six months from now, maybe you're up to 100 pages. And what will happen is, is you will actually begin to crave the other thing rather than the dopamine hit that came from the original thing. Yeah, 100%. Because you're retraining so, that parts of, those parts exactly, of your brain. Exactly. I mean, look, everything is a slow fade, right? When, when I was growing up, they hadn't even invented the internet yet. yet. 
You know what I'm saying? Yep. We just yep. barely got color TV. Yeah. Like, yep. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's weird to see everything kind of happen in my lifetime. But one of the things that I'm trying to do above all is when in doubt, go back to basics. When in doubt, go back to basics. Go for a walk. Talk to a friend. Have a cup of coffee. Pull out a notepad and a pen. My entire first book came out of my iPhone while I was on an elliptical. Asking myself, what does it take to change the essence of a man? Because I didn't like who I was at the time, Hmm. right? What does it take? What do I need to know? Who do I need to be connected with? And again, people get distracted thinking they have to be connected to the famous person that can teach them about X, Y, and Z. Yep. When reality is there are masters of those things that are not famous at all in your marketplace. Yep. A quick Google search can get you pretty far. You see what I'm saying? So it, it, it comes down to intent. Are you honest, honestly, intentionally going after leveling yourself up? Or are you honestly, intentionally going after your comfort level? Put yourself in an un- uncomfortable place for 12 months, 24 months. Watch to see how far you go. It'll blow your, it'll blow your mind. It really it'll will. Blow your mind. It will blow your mind. Oh, man, Stephen, that's so good. Uh, here we are like and I'm we're already at like almost an hour and I'm like, oh, man, I have like 87 more questions for you. Uh, this <laughs> has been awesome. Before we transition to the get to know you round, uh, you obviously you've got uh, the Stuck to Unstoppable podcast. You've got the Journey Principles Institute. You've got the Transform You. Tell people what's the best way to connect with you if they're like, I need more Stephen Scoggins in my life. <laughs> what's the best well, way they can? I, hopefully, I dropped enough wisdom where they want to connect. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I've more, I spent more time in experience zone than wisdom zone today. I bet. But uh, no, I mean, if you want to find me at stephenscoggins.com. Um, in October, when uh, if, if you guys are around and it's October 21st to the 23rd, you want to come and transfer me live uh, virtually or in live. We're doing a hybrid event. So no matter what your safety zone is, we got you. Yeah. And I've got 13 thought leaders, Tom, Lisa, Bill, you, Evan Carmichael, Ambly Lago, Anthony Trucks, so many more amazing human beings uh, that are coming to give of themselves to the audience. Um, you're welcome to check that out at transformulive.com. So those, those are the those are the best ways to get a hold of me at the moment. Uh, you can always DM me on Instagram. I, I am still involved in checking my own messages at the moment. Um, I do have some other folks helping with a few things, but I'm still doing it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Stephen. Well, now is the portion of the show where we transition just a little bit to get to know you uh, just on a, a fun level. So, uh, Stephen, are you ready for the get to know you round? Let's go. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Question number one is what is currently on your most played playlist on Spotify? Oh, well, can I, can I use Pandora instead? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, whatever. It's all the same. Uh, there's this, uh, it's called Gladiator. And I think, I think the band's called Larceny. And I just love the beat and the message is upbeat and stuff like that. So I've been listening to Gladiator. I don't know why. I love it. I love <laughs> it. That's awesome. Um, okay. What fictional character do you think would be the coolest to meet in real life? Shoot, Wolverine. <laughs> Gladiator Wolverine, yeah. <laughs> I gotta have my big hairy sideburns and my and my really long nails. I love it so. that you did not even for a moment second guess that. You were just like, I know exactly <laughs> the answer to this question. <laughs> I'm just a little jealous that Wolverine Hugh Jackman's version was six foot something, but you know. I know, right? I know. Um, okay, now I know that you are a big reader. Uh what is the most interesting thing, most interesting book or article that you've read uh recently? Outside of the Bible, um, gosh, what's the the new the the best one? The Kindness Diaries. Oh, Kindness Diaries. Yeah. What? Who, okay, tell us about that because I don't I haven't heard of it. So Leon Logothetis, uh, you can find the Kindness Diaries actually on Netflix and a couple of the other streaming services. Um, he had a ebook version of kind of like his learnings and stuff like that. And I may have the name of the title of the book long wrong, but if you look up Leon Logothetis. Um, you'll be able to find the resource I'm talking about, but it's it's pretty powerful. Oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So in another life, let's say you're a professional athlete. What is the one song that is like playing when like you're being called up, like you're you're up to the plate? Uh, you know, it's your hype song. What is it? Mm-hmm. Now I know you're listening to Gladiator a lot while you're working out, but is there like oh, that man. one song that just stands out? This is how legends are made. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, Sam, Sam Tins. He's going to be coming to the event. It's going to be awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay. What is something that is really important to you, but you don't get the chance to talk about it very much? Oh, what's really important to me, I don't get a chance to talk about it very much. I think the sincerity behind the heart behind what I'm trying to do. Like, I don't get to change. I don't, you know, when you, when you do podcast interviews, stuff like that, a lot of times you're, 
you know, you're, you're focused on delivering content the audience would value rather than actually necessarily being able to connect right away to the audience than what you want to serve. Mm. To showing them that showing them the hope is real and future is possible. Amen. Hope is real and people need it right now. Um, I read a statistic, uh, and actually our pastor was talking about this a couple weeks ago, is coming out of COVID, uh, 40% of Americans surveyed are struggling with uh, mental a mental health crisis right now. Mm-hmm. 40%. Yeah. And uh, of those, most stated that they wake up daily feeling senses of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that's just when you really sit and think about it, that four out of 10 people that you come into contact with, and I'd argue it's probably higher, um, yeah. feel hopeless. Uh, it's just a stark reminder uh, that that we are to be hope dealers. We are to be people who who share that it doesn't matter uh, what comes your way. There is hope. There's hope. That's right. That's right. And that's where we got to be transformation agents. Yes. All right. Then my last question, this is the question I ask all of my guests. And that is, uh, Stephen, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Uh, what it, mean, it means to me is making sure that I'm creating purpose in other people. In the, I mean, that's the short, short end of it. Um, when you have a team and you can see, see them succeed in their area of what they're hoping to achieve, it's actually pretty powerful. Mm. Amen. Stephen, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for being so honest and uh, just transparent. You're the man. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Find me on social media. I'm at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast when you're sharing the show with a friend. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs, business owners, community leaders who are changing the world. If you are a regular listener of the show, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts, click that subscribe or follow button. To click that button means you will never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to just leave a review? Would you take a moment to maybe share one of your favorite episodes with a friend? Leaving a review, sharing the show with a friend, It is totally free for you. And it is the biggest help for me in the entire world. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. It just also helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. As always, this show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.